0: Welcome to the First Rate right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Jerry Ewald, Chief Marketing Officer for Restoration of America. And today we are blessed to have Andrew Wynn, the Executive Director of Fair Courts America, which is part of the Restoration of America family. Andrew is fighting important battles all over America to ensure that we have conservative rather than activist judges.
1: Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Tony Evers, and the Radicals are out of control. They want to pack the courts with liberals. You can stop them by voting for Judge Maria Lazar. Judge Maria Lazar is a constitutional conservative. Judge Maria Lazar backs the police and is endorsed by sheriffs and conservative justices. The choice, Tony Evers handpicked liberal or conservative Judge Maria Lazar. Vote conservative. Vote Judge Maria Lazar. Fair Courts America is responsible for the content of this advertising.
0: Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jerry. It's great to be here. Yeah, you know, it's it's been uh, awesome getting to know you this this past year. But for the audience who doesn't know you, why don't you give us a brief background of who you are and how you became the executive director for Fair Courts America?
1: Thanks so much. So I was born and raised in New Jersey, uh, went to school in New Jersey, started working in politics in New Jersey. And I thought, as every good New Jersey native believes, that this was the best there ever could be, Um, but got an opportunity to work in Washington, D.C. with the U.S. Chambers Institute for Legal Reform. And from there, I traveled to West Virginia, Nevada, Louisiana, all of these other places, and I learned how much I didn't know about politics but how similar all of the things were to stuff that I had learned in New Jersey. So I took these opportunities and the experiences that I had, and I went out and started working with the Republican State Leadership Committee, running their judicial election activity. They were a great partner of ours in the business community when I worked for the US Chamber. And this year I joined Restoration as the executive director for Fair Courts America, because I knew that there was more that we could do to help educate voters about the choices that they have for judicial election and district attorney and prosecutor elections across the country. So I'm really glad to be here.
0: Yeah, and we're, we're thrilled to have you. And um, I, I could tell you again, from the last year of getting to know you, I didn't understand how important it is that we focus on these judicial races. I think so many Americans have this kind of idyllic view of what a judge is. It's someone who's fair, impartial. You know, they're blind to someone's background, meaning it doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, the color of your skin, your belief system. It doesn't matter. The law is the law. And if we have a judge, we we believe these judges should be judging someone over whether someone broke the law or not, did they, or did they not do that? And then if they did, what is a fair and just punishment for breaking the law? And I think we we always think of it that way, but what we're uncovering, at least I'm uncovering it. It sounds like you've probably known this for, for a long period of time. That's not always the case. We don't get these fair and impartial judges always in the court system.
1: No, the left has decided that the judiciary is the place for them to, quote unquote, right the wrongs that have happened in the other policymaking branches, the legislature or the executive. Um, You're right. It has been happening for a long time. Um, Roe versus Wade is probably the the best example of an opportunity where um, an activist court did something that was different than what the people thought they should probably do. And so that's why this year I was so excited to see the U.S. Supreme Court overturn that decision and return the the ability to make decisions about life and choice and abortion to the elected branches and particularly to the state governments. So you're right. Absolutely. We would expect that judges would fairly interpret the law and the Constitution according to the text and according to the original public meaning uh, of those words when they were adopted by the legislature and by the executive. But too often the judiciary and particularly those activists in the judiciary choose to impart their perspective or their belief of what is fair and just as an outcome Rather than what's fair and just for an interpretation of the words on the page and the law and the Constitution.
0: But well, I think I think you're you're touching on this right now. This is millions of Americans waking up to understand that the judges on the Supreme Court or, or other areas in the country are doing more than just interpreting the law. You use the word activist. They are actually activists that are imparting their belief system outside of the law onto the people of the United
1: States. Well, that's right. I think they believe that um, they they are getting it right. That they are the, um, the sole decision makers on what is truly right and just. When they reach the bench and have the ability to overturn um, the, the laws that are written by the legislature and make changes to the constitution outside of the process by which we amend our constitutions. If activists and liberals on the left wanted to change the constitution, they should go about amending it according to the amendment process not by changing the interpretation of the constitution's words years decades and centuries after they were written
0: yeah and i I think this is why it's so critical that an organization like fair courts of america are part of the restoring of america process right returning uh, our beliefs you know back to the constitution instead of rewriting it and, and kind of interpreting the way you want it to be but bringing it back to the original thoughts of the founders of this country and what it should be and so it's it's so important the work that you're doing and and getting out there and it's it's amazing some of the work that you do because it's not it's not your traditional races that that people always pay attention to right I think we we always look at these you know presidential races maybe Senate and Congress and and governor races these are the big ones but we we don't always pay attention to who we're putting on the courts. And oftentimes the people we put on courts has a much bigger impact to the average citizen's day-to-day life as opposed to some of these big races. So I- expand a little bit on that. So uh, tell me tell me more about those types of races and why it's so important that Americans pay attention to them.
1: Well, you're right, Jerry. The founders wrote in the Federalist Papers that the judiciary should be the least dangerous branch. They couldn't accept their own cases. Cases had to come to them. And they uh, didn't have the power of either the purse or the sword. And so oftentimes the court system became um, a third rate um, race for uh, voters' attention. Voters have a limited, uh, amount of time that they can spend focusing on making decisions about who to vote for and, and who should be elected. And a lot of that is taken up by um, the presidential races, the gubernatorial races. Even your race for mayor is is more important and focuses on your day-to-day uh, life and attention until the activist left took over the judiciary and decided to make substantial changes to the way our country is governed and substantial changes to the values that our country was founded upon, now voters need to be informed more about the judicial philosophies, the experiences and the credentials that these candidates have for judicial office in order for them to make an informed decision that aligns with their values. These races are um, traditionally at the bottom of the electoral ballot. So you come in and you know who you're gonna vote for for president. There've been um, national televised debates. You know exactly who these people are, but you rarely know more about the candidate for judicial office than their name. Uh, judges are hamstrung by their inability to raise money. They, in some states, they're not even allowed to ask donors directly. They need an intermediary to make the ask for them. Uh, in many states, they are precluded from criticizing their opponents directly or other cases that they've heard or talking about decisions and laws that might come before them because they don't want to prejudice a case in the future. But an organization like Fair Courts America is allowed to talk about a candidate, is allowed to talk about a prior decision, is allowed to talk about a judicial philosophy. And we inform voters about the candidates on those issues so that they can make informed choices going into the ballot boxes. So, so you're saying for a,
0: a judicial race, there's oftentimes different set of rules. I didn't realize. So, you're saying a lot of times a, a judge cannot speak out against his opponent.
1: Is that that's true? Particularly, can't cannot uh, criticize another judge's opinion in a certain decision. Mm-hmm. So, let's say for example, a judge used um, a legal loophole to overturn the conviction of someone who committed a crime, maybe even pled guilty to that crime. N- you know, They knew that they had committed the crime and they were ready to take the punishment for it. But a liberal activist judge who decided to overturn that conviction based on a legal loophole, their opponent in that race cannot criticize the, the judge's decision on that Based on the code of judicial conduct and certain judicial canons of conduct, they're prohibited from talking about that on the campaign trail. Thankfully, organizations like ours are funded well enough to inform voters to talk about those cases so that voters know what type of uh, experience a judge has, particularly on cases related to criminal law. I see. So I, you know, I, I, didn't under, I didn't realize that before,
0: but it just, it speaks to the importance of an organization like fair courts America that can actually get the word out and get people engaged. Right. We've all been guilty of getting into a ballot, uh, ballot box and then realizing like, I don't know some of these people on the ballot, who am I going to vote for? Right. So, um, and what you're saying is oftentimes that's the judicial races and it has such an impact on the day-to-day lives of the people in that community. So, Great, grateful for a fair court or someone like fair courts doing something like that?
1: Well, we've seen a lot of change in particularly the composition of state Supreme Courts over the last 10 years. In states like Pennsylvania, when liberal activist Democrats took over control, they changed the law to allow for Um, absentee ballots to be accepted long after election day, Mm -hmm. long after the, the state law provided for votes to be counted and received after election day. So on election administration, on criminal law, on constitutional law and rights, these judges are changing the way the society operates and makes their decisions about policy in a way that judicial, the judicial branch has never done before. And so Fair Courts America is is designed to share this information with voters who otherwise wouldn't have this information and allow them to make decisions based on all of the information that's available before them, rather than just what the liberal media wants them to know about candidates. So, so let's expand on that
0: so the the state supreme court races how is the strategy that fair courts uh, america uh, puts forth different if than a governor race or an attorney general's race
1: well in 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 those more high profile races uh the candidates themselves are are fairly well funded they've done a very good job of communicating what their name is and what their platform is to voters. In most of the um, high-level, high-profile races, there's also a Republican or Democrat party affiliation that candidates have that share cues or shortcuts for voters to make decisions about how would this type of a candidate respond to certain policies in many races across the country for judicial office, they are nominally nonpartisan, meaning the candidates themselves don't run with party labels. They may be endorsed by political parties. They might be endorsed by other elected officials of political parties. They may hold some beliefs that are more aligned with political parties, but on the ballot, you don't see a political party. In fact, many of these races are held not on the general election day in November, when other partisan political offices are elected, but are at different times of the year during nonpartisan elections. Like in Wisconsin this year, there will be a very important nonpartisan election in April that would have the opportunity to either hold a conservative judicial philosophy majority on the court or change that court into one with a liberal activist judicial philosophy. So our goal is to share more information with voters about the candidates themselves, but then also to draw contrast between the candidates on certain issues, particularly those about their judicial philosophy and criminal justice applications.
0: Yeah, no, that's it, so important, right? Because we always look at these uh, these political cycles. We, we know we have a midterm cycle, then we have the presidential cycle, and it feels like every two years. But when it comes to judges and uh, uh, judge races, uh, that can happen every year. And it's something, again, we need to be paying attention to. So we're going to hear a lot from Fair Courts America throughout the year, regardless if you're off cycle or on cycle.
1: Well, that's right. Um, These elections often are for terms of six, eight, 10, or in some states, even 12 years. So the decisions that voters make about who should join the bench um, are are long lasting ones um, that can't be quickly changed or overturned. And so, yes, in, in several states like Wisconsin this year and then later this year in Pennsylvania, um, voters will have the opportunity to elect judges not on a year when other partisan or national uh, trends are influencing voter turnout or the issues that are being discussed. These are, are very often standalone elections Um, that are decided based on um, specific candidate quality and judicial philosophy about where these candidates will take the court and ultimately the state for years to come. So you you named a couple of them. What
0: are the races that you're paying attention to next year? We said Wisconsin, Pennsylvania.
1: So yes, in Wisconsin, there's currently a 4-3 conservative majority on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, and one of the conservative justices is retiring this year, so there will be an open seat election to determine the direction of the Wisconsin Supreme Court for the next year. If liberals were to take majority control, they have the opportunity to overturn a number of the longstanding laws that have been acted by the legislature and the governor. And nationally, Democrats are looking at Wisconsin as an opportunity to change the redistricting laws that drew congressional and legislative maps for the legislature and the the congressional members in Wisconsin. So that race is in April of this year. And then in November, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, again, will have an open seat election They had a a judge recently pass away, and so there's a vacancy on that court that will be filled by the election in November of 2023. That court is currently a 5-2 Democratic or liberal majority, Mm -hmm. and Republicans have a chance and conservatives have a chance to narrow that margin down from 5-2 to 4-3 this year. If they are successful in November, and as I mentioned earlier, Pennsylvania Supreme Court is very important also for redistricting decisions. They um, overturned legislatively drawn maps um, by the Republican majority legislature uh, in Pennsylvania for the congressional seats recently, and um, and have changed a number of uh, substantial uh civil law precedent over the last ta- uh now 7 years that the liberal majority has been in uh in effect in the Pennsylvania Supreme Court.
0: Okay, so so a lot of activity in 2023 again that has a major impact especially locally but within that within the state it's going to have a major impact. So the question now is how do we get people to to pay attention? How do we bring this to the forefront of people's thoughts, that that we have to understand what's at stake and who's running and then to go out and vote. How do we do that?
1: Well, this podcast is a great opportunity to share (laughs) with voters just how important uh, judicial elections are. I think that for the past several years, organizations like ours uh, on the conservative side, but also organizations on the left have been Highlighting the importance of judicial elections for a, a number of different issues that are important to both sides of the political spectrum. And so we are seeing uh, substantially less drop off in the ballot in you know 10 or 12 years ago, voters would come in and vote for president, governor, mayor, and then leave the position for judge blank. And there were substantial, measurable drop-off in the ballot. Um, In the most recent election in North Carolina, it was nearly identical, the the turnout, the voter turnout for the judicial offices, as there was for the U.S. Senate, the contested U.S. Senate election there. So a lot of it is organizations like ours and political parties and activist groups telling voters and talking to them, about the importance of courts to making sure that they make a decision, that they make a plan to vote not only for the top of the ticket, but an informed decision about the courts because of how important the Constitution and the makeup of those courts will be for protecting and preserving the rights that voters expect them to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, so I want to I want to thank you for coming on and, and really giving us all this information, right? Giving, imparting your wisdom on us, because it is so important that we pay attention to what's going on at, at the local, state, judiciary level. And I think too much of it, too much of us have really neglected that over time. So thank you for, for coming on and sharing all that with us. And I also want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas.
1: Thank you so much, Jerry. This was a great opportunity for me to share a little bit more about what Fair Courts America does. And I'm excited to uh, see the interaction with folks um, as they, they view this podcast. And thank you as well. And Merry Christmas to you and your family.
0: All right. Well, that's our show for today. And thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives to bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slam. Every morning in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word to 30161.